Welcome to the Drug History Podcast, Series 1, Episode 7. In this episode, we look at drug use in ancient Greece. The period under consideration is from around 800 BC to the death of Alexander the Great in 323 BC. We start off with a brief overview of key developments in medicine in this period before concluding with the discussion of drug use in both therapeutic and non-medical settings. According to the World History Encyclopedia, in ancient Greek medicine, illness was initially regarded as a divine punishment and healing as quite literally a gift from the gods. The Wikipedia entry on Greek medicine, which is well referenced, gives a more vivid description. It says that ancient Greek physicians regarded disease as being of supernatural origin, brought about from the dissatisfaction of the gods or from demonic possession. The fault of the ailment was placed on the patient and the role of the physician was to conciliate with the gods or exorcise the demon with prayers, spells, and sacrifices. Having said that, we see that like the Chinese, Assyrians, Babylonians, Egyptians, and other ancient people groups, the Greeks in their early history attribute illness to supernatural causes. This naturally led to healing methods centered on incantations and magical formulae. However, over time, these early theories were tested against symptoms and results, resulting in a foundation based on identifiable cause and effect factors centered in the physical realm. By the time we get to the 5th century BC, lasting until about 400 BC, the most influential medical views derived from the cult of Aesil Pius, which was a major provider of medical care. This cult developed old theories and introduced several treatments not too dissimilar from modern alternative medicines. Worshippers built large temple complexes around Greece in his name. Throughout the period and into the era of the Roman Empire, people would visit these temples to be healed. Aten Aslepion, one of the temples, a patient would be expected to partake in a number of rituals, which, it was believed, would cure the infirm. In brief, these rituals consisted of making sacrifices, bathing, and sleeping in the courtyard. It is widely believed that the priests would have healed many visitors to Asclepians through the use of ointments and herbal remedies. After 400 BC, Ancient Greek medicine began to revolve around the theory of humors. This was under the influence of the Hippocratic corpus, the first part of which will sound familiar to anyone familiar with the Hippocratic oath. The humoral theory states that good health comes from a perfect balance of the four humors, blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. Each of the four humors was linked to an organ, temper, season, and element. Consequently, 
Poor health was believed to result from improper balance of the four humors. Hippocrates, known as the father of modern medicine, established a medical school at Kos and is the most important figure in ancient Greek medicine. Hippocrates and his students documented numerous illnesses in the Hippocratic corpus and developed the Hippocratic Oath for Physicians, a form of which is still in use today. In an age in which no formal professional qualifications were required to practice as a medical doctor, the World History Encyclopedia gives an illuminating insight into the Hippocratic Oath. It says that the famous Hippocratic Oath was probably reserved for a select group of doctors and it was actually a religious document ensuring a doctor operated within and for community values. With the oath, the practitioner saw by Apollo, Hygieia and Panacea to respect their teacher and not to administer poison, abuse patients in any way, use a knife or break the confidentiality between patient and doctor. The theories of Hippocrates dismiss the notion that magic or spirits could cause or cure disease. Instead, people such as Hippocrates argued that the doctor should not apply the same theory for the cause of a disease to every case. Instead, the doctor ought to observe the patient carefully and make a judgment after careful consideration of the symptoms. This differed from the observations of the Egyptians in that there was no prescribed method of treating the disease. Superstition and religion were not part and parcel of Hippocrates' method of treating the sick. Essentially, Hippocratic medicine allowed diseases to run their natural course, with doctors giving treatments such as herbal remedies to ease pain. Only when absolutely necessary, and after a reasonable period of observation and thought, should a doctor resort to surgery, which in a world without anesthetics was not always successful. Despite this, it is notable that the Hippocratic Oath involves swearing by the gods of the Greeks. In addition, Hippocrates himself apparently did not understand a lot about anatomy and physiology, and there is considerable debate on his existence as an individual. Despite this, the writings attributed to him show a holistic view of health that emphasized environmental causes and natural treatments of diseases, the causes and therapeutic importance of psychological factors, nutrition and lifestyle, interdependence of mind, body and spirit, and the need for harmony between the individual and the social and natural environment. In terms of actual drugs used by the Greeks for medical purposes, the available evidence suggests that they inherited the drugs used by the Egyptians and whittled them down over time based on experience and observation. The World History Encyclopedia indicates that they used wine, opium, and henbane to help with pain and toothache, and they used aloe, originally from Egypt, to cure burns. They used crushed garlic to disinfect cuts and mint tea to help with stomach aches. Surgery may also have included the use of opium as an anesthetic, although the many references in literature to patients being held down during surgery would suggest that the use of 
anesthetic was rare. Post-operation, wounds were closed using stitches of flux or linen thread and the wound dressed with linen bandages or sponges, sometimes soaked in water, wine, oil or vinegar. Leaves could also be used for the same purpose and wounds may also have been sealed using egg white or honey. Post-operation treatment was also considered. The importance of diet, for example, or the use of plants with anti-inflammatory properties such as celery. A scholarly article from the Journal of Psychiatry published in March 2019 gives some useful insights on drugs used for mental illness in ancient Greek medicine. It says that the Greeks used drugs with psychedelic, hypnotic, narcotic, analgesic, suppressive, euphoric, and stimulating effects in various ways. We can classify drug use in ancient times in Greece into two main categories. On the one hand, ancient physicians prescribed drugs based on their pharmaceutical therapeutic actions. On the other hand, people not pertaining to medicine and not relating to its accurate implementation often abuse drugs to achieve a euphoric state of mind, either for personal gratification or as an indispensable element of religion and mythology. Ancient Greek medical literature contains ample prescriptions and recipes indicating that plants were the essential components of drugs. Padanius Dioscorides dedicated his lifetime's work to the synthesis of ancient drugs. One can find a plethora of information concerning the production methods and the plants used in drugs for the treatment of psychiatric diseases. These were herbs like black and white hellebore, mandrake, hyoscyamus, also known as henbane, papava somniferum, also known as the opium poppy, strychnos, frankincense tree, and dorycnium. The preparation of narcotics included the addition of other elements, mainly wine, to the opus of plants or to their extracts. Drugs were produced via methods of dehumidification or desiccation, grinding, squeezing, or boiling of the plant's roots with the formation of a juice, oil, or mash extract. In addition, drugs could also be inhaled if burnt. Many physicians of antiquity, such as Hippocrates, Galen, Tertius, and Aratius of Cappadocia, all referred to many of these aforementioned drugs, analyzing the different symptoms which they could address and the risks accompanying their use. Physicians of antiquity used drugs for the treatment of somatic as well as psychiatric disorders. Most of these drugs affected the central nervous system. Taking advantage of their analgesic properties, physicians used them for the management of severe and chronic painful conditions. The hypnotic effect of some of these drugs were desirable in order to be used as anesthetics for surgical operations and cauterization. Drug use was also established in the initial treatment of epilepsy and seizures, regardless of their cause. Public rituals and mythology were the two main contexts in which drug use flourished outside the realms of medicine. 
The psychotropic and especially the hallucinatory effects of drugs caused the person under their influence to lose control, rendering him incapable of governing his actions and thoughts. These consciousness-altering medications were frequently the central focus of mythology. In this case, one would dictate and give orders to another person, which under any other circumstances would not be carried out. This led to the formation of the concept of the magic portion. Theophrastus frequently referred to magic portions. They are also thought to have used marijuana and other narcotics to relieve pain and induce sleep. They may also have enhanced rituals and enlivened banquets with hallucinogens. Regarding this last part of uh, using hallucinogens, the BBC History Magazine has a fascinating account. It says that there is a highly suggestive passage in Homer's The Odyssey in which Helen of Troy dopes wine with a drug that took away painful memories and the bite of pain and anger. Those who took this drug dissolved in wine could not shed a tear even at the death of a parent. Indeed, not even if his brother or son were put to the sword before his eyes. This drug, said Homer, had been given to Helen by Polydama, the wife of Thorn, a woman of Egypt. The name Thorn is significant because the Roman doctor Galen reports that the Egyptians believed that the use of opium was taught to mankind by the similarly named god Thoth. The Greek writer Dioscorides describes his harvesting technique. Those who must make opium must wait until the dew has dried away to cut lightly with a knife around the top of the plant. They take care not to cut the inside. On the outside of the capsule, cut straight down. As fluid comes out, wipe with a finger onto a spoon. Returning later, one can harvest more of the residue after it has thickened, and yet more the following day. There is another illuminating description of the use of opium and cannabis given by Garrett Ryan of Told in Stone, the website, in September 2021. He says, Not surprisingly, the ancients used opium as a medicine, primarily as a painkiller, a relaxant and a soporific, mixed with honey. Opium could be used to treat a range of health problems from skin infections to coughs. They appear not to have appreciated the addictive properties of opium, but did know that overdoses of opium could be fatal. As with opium, cannabis had many medicinal uses, though doctors tended to use the hemp seed and cannabis resin as medicines. Some evidence found in the grave of a Roman woman who died in childbirth suggests that the more potent leaves and buds were used to relieve labor pains. We can also expect that the Greeks used alcohol socially alongside its medical uses outlined before. Perhaps the best summary of drug use and medicine in ancient Greeks is given by Mark Cartwright. He says, Greek medical practice may have included errors, perhaps many and probably even fatal ones, but Greek medical practitioners had started the medical profession in the right direction. Observation, experience, 
and experimentation meant that those who followed in Hellenistic and Roman times, such as Galen and Celsus, could continue their inquiries along the long road towards greater and more accurate scientific knowledge of the human body, the illnesses it is susceptible to, and the potential cues available. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Drug History Podcast. Next time, we hope to look at drug use in Hellenistic and Roman times.